What would you prefer? Probably if you didn't say anything. Theme song. (laughs) Hello there. This is Drew here with a very special guest, a master of zero of the bending disciplines, but well on her way to one. Hello there, Jamie. Hello, Drew. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Do you remember your first appearance on New Release? Uh, Absolutely not. Yeah, same. But you've been on a bunch of times. We kicked off the year with two episodes. One of them was a preview episode for Cool Things coming out in 2024. I think we did a pretty um, half-hearted job at... I feel like the I calendar. made some pretty good picks, though. Yeah, our picks were good, and one of them that was on the list is what we're going to be talking about today. Normally, we would kind of look back on the shows that we've been talking about on the podcast. I remembered that when we did our True Detective finale episode last week, we didn't um, give an update on Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and since it's just Jamie and I here today... We won't be giving an update yet again, but I'm really curious to ask Ashley if she um, watched any more because she was like three episodes in when we did the episode. I have not watched any more. Um, I'm actually an episode behind on Curb, and um, that's because we have been binging Avatar, the last Airbender. No. No. <laughs> Bad. Uh, Harbender of things to come. In, in terms of my joking mm. skills? Maybe, yes. <laughs> well, this is unusual for the episode. We watched all eight episodes of the new Netflix show, Avatar, The Last Airbender. And um, it's I'm glad they were released that way because normally we do a, you know, one episode Uh, review and then decide if we want more in this case we'll be able to look at the whole season you'll be here to be able to take us through some of the comparisons to the original cartoon on Nickelodeon we'll try yeah I mean it's been a hot second since I've seen the full run of the show it's almost I was thinking about it it's almost a good thing that you fell asleep I was gonna get watching this the animated show because we didn't get too far and so it's easier to not directly compare them as much yeah even though i feel like in my four and a quarter episodes that i was awake for i was able to notice some things obviously early on in the story um, some differences between the live action adaptation and then as we continued watching and we got past the point that i had seen you were trying to piece together what they were pulling in from, you know, how it was mapping to the story arc of the cartoon. Because there's um, how many seasons of the Nickelodeon show? Three. Okay. Yeah. So three seasons, you know, a bunch of episodes, but they're obviously shorter. And we don't really know what Netflix's plan is because this one has to succeed. It seems like people are definitely watching it. It's in their top 10. There's been some, you know, mixed 
reactions to it, but like just from a popularity standpoint, viewing hours, whatever Netflix cares about, I feel like they're gonna they're gonna do more. So I I assume they had kind of like an outline of how they were gonna hit all the um, storylines from the cartoon over the course of I don't know what would you think probably three live action seasons or probably maybe four to like actually cover well no probably three maybe four okay that's your prediction three maybe four episodes if it makes it to season two (laughs) to begin with yeah well we're um we're just gonna jump around obviously we're gonna probably spend more time on the start of the show in the end but where we end at season one, how does that correspond to the animated show? It's pretty direct. Okay. Um, yeah, they go to the Northern Water Tribe at the end of season one in the animated show, and there's a big battle. Things happen, and the pretty much it's um, very similar, I think, to the live action. Right, because they have eight-hour length, well, 40 minute to hour length episodes to tell, you know, like a 20 episode season, I, the time might actually be pretty close, like just the runtime. But it does feel like they're rushing through things. So I don't know. Um, let's just start with our, I have oats in my mouth. So now <laughs> that's really so good, professional. really good for talking. <laughs> um, I want to start with the the opening of the show, like just kind of your reaction to seeing. Like we didn't even mention, like you love the cartoon. Oh, I love the cartoon. Yeah. Yes. What's your history with that before we go in? Um, I remember very specifically where I watched the first episode. It's like, it's like where were you when the moon land or the moon landing happened? Where were or, you? Uh, not around. That's a trick question. Thank you. No. Oh, because no one landed <laughs> yeah. on the moon. Um. So I very specifically remember I was in high school and I was in one of my classrooms after school. We were like building costumes or props for one of the shows we were doing because I was a theater kid. And the TV in the room was on just as like background noise, essentially, while we were like, we were probably paper macheing something or um, grommeting something because I I remember a lot of that and now I hate both of those activities because of the long runs I did. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, the TV was on to distract from the terrible tasks we were doing and it was the premiere of, we had it on Nickelodeon and the premiere of Avatar was going down. Like it was the very first time. And uh, I ended up watching it while I was doing stuff I didn't like doing. So it really helped. And then I remember just kind of, I just kept watching it and then like eventually bought the dvds when they came out so yeah i've and then rewatched it a few times yeah but it's definitely been a hot second since i've like i said done a full run through so i remember some things and some things are further away and i think that's a good way to go in water earth fire air long ago the four nations lived together in harmony Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar. 
an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Okay, cool. Well, that's a very vivid memory of the, the cartoon. So when we fired up episode one on Netflix, what was your kind of emotional response to seeing this cartoon translated into oh, I was, live action? I was hyped. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to get like nitpicky about the details and be mad about certain things that are like... Um, different from what you feel like they should be but if you just kind of sit back and just let it go like over you like a wave then it's way more way more enjoyable so i was really excited and hearing like the like the drums right from like the theme was really cool throughout the episode and then like the end credits sound the same too which i really liked there's a lot of a lot more. I think you said this. There's a lot more sh- uh, telling than showing, mm. which is kind of a weakness, um, because a lot of stuff like we don't. It's not a subtle show by any means. Like it's not. It's not giving the audience maybe much credit in terms of like connecting dots on their own. Um, and I know it's divisive that Grand Grand's the one who says like the the Avatar opening in the middle like the avatar opening is a couple of very classic lines the theme opening and uh grand grand just says it in the middle of the episode like in the show and i know that was the phrase i know i mean i know you pointed it out off the top of my head i don't remember it's like um long ago yeah blah 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 until the yeah until the fire nation attacked then everything changed and the avatar was lost blah 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 um but it it was cheesy but very fun i think to hear i was excited to hear it like in the middle of the show i thought it was fun um but yeah there's just a lot like it's not it's not a subtle show it's not like trying to it's not as layered as i feel like the animated show got to be but it also had time to breathe yeah uh for you know over the course of 3 seasons and i feel like this like overall this the season of the live action felt more rushed in a way that made some things like less great than they could have been. Yeah. I, I, it's hard to evaluate from a adult perspective of a, that also doesn't have um, nostalgia in some ways I could be liberated from what you're describing kind of like, second-guessing decisions or execution in relation to the the um, cartoon. But it's also like uh, you could excuse some of the, the really over or heavy-handed writing and, and just like spelling out the story as, well, is the audience kids? Is the audience adults? Like, right. I, and this is so many resources to put into a show if it's if it's primarily for kids that i have to assume they want it to broad be as broad as possible for everyone but then you're kind of like stuck in this weird middle ground like with live action the writing sticks out way more you know you said the the animated show is really well written and i'm sure that's the case but it's like 
you're just going to have different expectations for how the characters talk and how realistic everything is in a cartoon versus a live action adaptation. Yeah, it is weird. The They're trying to stride a line, but it's almost like it's very overwrought in a way. Yeah. Like it's very, it's not something that seems to always kind of get lost in any kind of adaptation I feel like from source material that's like funny and charming is that a lot of live action stuff tends to take the like the the most serious route of the show whereas like the animated show is fun and it's about kids and yes they're learning and living their lives and they're dealing with some heavy stuff but ultimately also they're just kids and they're goofing around a lot too right which doesn't happen as much like it feels like the aspects that it should be like if they're aiming this at kids they're losing some of the aspects that i think would actually make it fun for kids yeah and leaving in stuff or showing stuff that is uh hard like hardcore more hardcore than you would expect like the show literally opens with the airbender nation being annihilated yeah like being that, burnt to a crisp. yeah and like it's very intense, like, you seeing, like, um, the Master Airbender, like, tucking the kids away, even though, like, the Fire Nation is there. Those kids aren't... It was very, like, Star Warsy. Yeah. Like, it was... And that's how the show opens. And then it's all this, like, very, like, dramatic, like, I have to save the world. I'm the Avatar, but I don't know how to be the Avatar. And that's basically all Aang yeah. <laughs> is throughout, which is a bummer because I feel like that actor seems like he's very charming and fun. And like, he didn't get to explore that as much as all of the characters. I feel like were a little more one note than I would have liked. Right. Yeah. And then the note is like a middle note. It's a middle note yeah. leaning serious versus the very end after Aang has, and we're going to spoil vaguely the entire season. So be warned. Um, after Aang is almost lost to the spirit world forever and then sees an entire um, nation um, also <laughs> bookended, but with the beginning with them of, of um, their waterbenders, I write at the end, a, wa- a nation of waterbenders gets destroyed by the fire nation, yeah. but enough survive to rebuild so that's a happy ending but he's just looking over the destruction yeah and then we get like his friends come along and we get a moment of levity which is when they're kind of at their most um naturalistic and and most enjoyable to be around and we get a tiny number of moments like that throughout like um um katara is that her name yeah katara is like they the characters aren't as layered as they should be, or maybe we'll get more of that in a potential second season, which I would love because I feel like the actors really like are it's good casting. Like I really enjoy the casting and I feel like they have a lot more to like offer in terms of what their characters can do. Um, and their chemistry is great. I think they're, they seem like they're having fun with each other. Uh, but yeah, like Katara is, they focus all of their energy in the first season on her being like a motherly supportive figure and Katara in the animated show is like sassy. She's sassy. She's hot tempered. She's like not always right, but she's self-righteous too. Like 
to a fault like sometimes it's you know need like it's good but then sometimes it's like too much and she's more complicated and like the final battle scene or not final battle scene but her fight with what's his face the water bending master mm-hmm. who's being very sexist yeah um like in the animated show she comes at it like she's mad and it's not necessarily well thought out and she knows she's gonna lose but she's gonna get in there and i love that like she's just going and like this was more it was more like i'm doing this for the greater good for all of womankind like i don't know it just felt more immediately had like this this larger social mission behind it and that's just not realistic yeah she she's she's just mad like she's like obviously all of those heavy feelings are there but like in the show in the animated show she's mad and she wants to fight and she wants to learn and she's being stopped and that's like she's not gonna let that happen whereas this felt yeah it just felt more yeah there's like there's like important you know racial themes and and kind of like um fascist overtones all these like heavy adult themes that are baked in to the 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 story i think from the from the cartoon and there's um a level of diversity that's baked in so none of that is forced on a surface level it's just the execution of it feels like preachy at times versus being how a kid would actually react to these extreme circumstances. Same for Aang. He's like been frozen for a hundred years and he wakes up and obviously he's got the weight of the entire world on him. But it's like He's also a twelve year old kid. Yeah, he can be bratty and, and annoy. Like they don't they don't show all the other like aspects of him, his his um tantrums and things like that that I think they show more of on the cartoon yeah and he's fun and he's scared and he like evades his destiny right but like that weight is always there but it's tempered by all of the by the fact that he's a 12 year old kid like this one was just it's just the weight like that's all that's all he gets to kind of play with and it yeah it kind of was a they all i feel like they're all given like one thing and then that's all they could they could do they couldn't like there was no like extra context or extra like layers for them to work with and whatever it's like it's i think they have a lot of potential to be really good and it felt like the first season is a little rushed and it's like it's it's like it ran out of money or something like I don't know how long it took to film this or even when they started because it's like a big project right and then maybe it hit maybe so maybe it was starting during the pandemic who knows maybe and then the the original creators were yeah, heavily they, involved and, and then left they left yeah because of creative differences yeah so which, that's never reassuring yeah um, and then they cut sort of like re uh, I was reading something that they like restarted avatar studios at nickelodeon to get new projects off the ground yeah. because they were not to like counter this it's just like they were ready to put energy into avatar again and yeah. this wasn't working right. for them for whatever reasons so um i'm excited to read ashley's review to you and to the audience shortly but 
I think my the best example of what we're talking about was the literal opening of the show. The tone that, like you said, it starts with the Fire Nation invading the Air Airbender Nation. It's basically Ang's origin. Yeah. So he's a kid. He's just been told, like, <laughs> like in a very straightforward way, you're the Avatar. This is your destiny. You have all these responsibilities. He doesn't take it super well. And then he goes on like a um, joyride with um, Appa. His, Appa, his sky bison. And all of that's all of that's good, except for the fact that like we didn't necessarily need that spelled out. Exactly. And yeah. then but in the animated show he just wakes up in ice like yeah we, and we have to fill in Sokka, the details it's yeah, so much exactly. more um interesting like you're on this like it's not a mystery but yeah. it is like you are finding out it's definitely better laid out i feel like um in terms of making it more like enticing to want to keep following yeah and they take they do kind of take the wind out of the sales immediately in that fact which is kind of a bummer yeah and you get like rather than starting on kind of a awe-inspiring mysterious note you're just starting on a super somber everyone we, we already know everyone that he's ever um cared for has been wiped out his nation's been wiped out and in addition to that he's been rip van winkled for 100 years and is just going to wake up to find out that information. Like in the cartoon, it's devastating when we go visit the country for the first time. Yeah. Because he's like so sure that there will be someone yeah, left. And or... we don't know for sure that that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like there's some element to of suspense there yeah. and like hope there. Whereas here we're I mean, like. We know it's been a hundred years. He's a, such a kid in the, in the cartoon that like he's having trouble wrapping his mind around the fact that like oh yeah i mean nobody i know will be around because it's been a hundred years more much less the fact that they're all dead yeah. i mean or were dead literally moments after he disappeared right <laughs> like they get wiped out conveniently while he's on this joyride that also conveniently coincides with a storm that submerges him and and he like goes into a subconscious avatar state and encloses himself in ice, in ice cube for a hundred years. Yeah. So all of that is, and then that's how he um, collides with the waterbender um, um, northern nation. No. Southern water tribe. Oh, southern pole, mm-hmm. where it's it's still icy there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't know how the how the ice works, but um, the South Pole. Yeah, I thought it was like a, a like the North Pole, like Antarctica type setting. But maybe that's how the globe functions as you go around yeah. a circle, yeah. um, a sphere. Um, <laughs> geography questions <laughs> aside, it's like these characters encounter him. They're learning about him being the avatar for the first time. And the show, the live action show does that. That's really exciting. Like the the him getting introduced to their village and them being scared of him, not realizing or appreciating, you know, the fact that this kid is wielding all this power and like it's all all that's just a perfect starting point and impossible not to compare it yeah. <laughs> to the cartoon. Yeah. Um 
So do you want to hear what Ashley thought? I am. Yes. <laughs> I'm scared. So um, Ashley was going to do the episode with us, but timing didn't work out and she didn't know that we finished the entire series. So in some ways it's easier this way, but um, here's my opinion of the show, says Ashley. <laughs> Cool visuals, setting, costumes, love the animals. She was mm. <laughs> really into Appa. Yeah, of course. Um, He's the and best. now come the all caps. Mm. Terrible acting. <laughs> I felt like I was watching a million dollar, you, know, you might take offense to this, Power Ranger show. Oh, I love Power Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> I made it partially through episode two, but now I'm out. And she went on to say, um, I was kind of saying, pushing back, like, is it? the acting because we really enjoyed the chemistry mm-hmm. of the cast i wouldn't say um what's the brother's name Sokka. Sokka. i wouldn't say it was his acting but i started to really a- appreciate his kind of like he was sort of the comic relief sometimes it yeah. didn't make any sense for the the tone and the, the scene or the like tone of a scene but whatever i liked him i don't know that that means he was great at acting so she was like, yeah, the writing didn't help. It just sucked <laughs> because visually and creatively it was beautiful, but the acting ruined it for me. Interesting. Yeah. I definitely understand that take. I am being more like I'm putting a more positive spin on it and blaming kind of the writing more so. Um, sorry. Writing. Well, people. Creative like, different. I mean, yeah, like all this kind of machinery that was around it that was probably constraining things i felt like ang's acting was good for a kid like yeah. that's a really he did what he could really with, hard casting the dialogue was yeah. very clunky i think that is my one of my biggest kind of complaints about it yeah and we, yeah, when we say writing that could apply to literally everything the way the story is constructed right but yeah primarily the bad heavy-handed dialogue yeah and some of the i agree i liked the visuals um and appa is the best i sometimes the costuming felt a little like party city like it felt a little like yep just like kind of on the cheaper end um and also ua's wig yeah killed me like i don't understand what was going on there and also like a lot of facial hair felt like it was glued on whenever there was a, a noticeable actor a recognizable actor like because the kids are relative unknowns the prime the main cast um uh, whenever like uh, ken leong with long hair and a top knot and you know just kind of um feudal japanese style um hair and in in outfitting yeah is distracting if especially if you recognize the actor um um boonie is that boomy boomy yeah um what's that city called starts with a c um omashu oh omashu i don't know why i thought it started with a c (laughs) yeah so omashu is kind of like the capital or the cultural hub is of, one of the major earth city cities yeah earth kingdom cities i thought it was just kind of but also like a, a city that other nations admired and like the fire nations like 
why do people love this place so much? Like I thought, uh, you know, they're like a, um, a cultural hub for the whole, the whole universe. I thought, I mean, I think it was mostly earth kingdom. Well, they, they welcome other visitors. People pass through there. They don't welcome them. They're no. pretty stringent about who gets through. Not necessarily now, good at their job under, because spies get through because they're a under lot. attack. They're at war. It the way that oh the old, mean, the way oh, the older the people older, were talking oh, yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. it yeah like anger is, members definitely yes anger members a hundred years ago when he would visit yeah. that it was yes a cultural hub you're right you're yeah right. and like a city everyone loves and peace yeah. and, and harmony and and so Boomy who presides over that kingdom is still alive one of Aang's childhood friends so that's the one person presumably in the universe that that is um naturally alive by just drinking tea and taking care of himself and still has a good pretty good bod yeah he's hot (laughs) but he's in some of the 112 years old and yeah he's in some of the most distracting makeup and costuming of any anyone on the show it makes sense he's playing you don't have a lot of octogenarian what's what's octo is only 80 um You don't have a lot of 100-plus-year-old actors that would naturalistically pull off the role, but they cast someone, you know. They cast someone young young, in the role is (laughs) also what's, yeah, is funny about it, which I guess is, like, Boomy is, like, a crazy young-at-heart kind of character, so that kind of makes sense. Right. But also, yeah, they cast, like, a 30-ish, 40-year, who I love. I love the actor who plays him. Um, He's great. But he, it is an interesting choice to not have like an older actor. Yeah, they could have gotten closer. Yeah. to the source. Yeah. And <laughs> so the production value is all over the place. I mean, obviously they spend a ton of money, but it's it's such a um, fantasy world that it's really hard to tell when, aside from like when they're walking through the forest or like in some a, a few different settings that look like real photography it's hard to tell what's real and what's not and it was just kind of driving me crazy that the most powerful nation is the fire nation and they cut every time they cut they're just either in the war room or they're in like this one training yard they have two sets for the fire nation they might show a very generic like you know establishing shot or something but we don't spend any time there it just seems like they had no no time or money to flesh or out location that. shooting. Yeah. yeah, they had no money for actual location shooting. I will say, in the first season of the animated show, we don't actually go to the Fire Kingdom very often. Yeah, so they were like forcing it in more than they needed to, right? Or like more than they had to, but also cutting corners by not actually uh, building any kind of setting that like world building there. Yeah. It just feels like <laughs> a soundstage. Yeah. And a lot of the show does. I mean, I'd say they put, obviously, uh, good use of resources into some of the CGI um, creature effects. Yeah. Some Which, of, thank you know, goodness, because that is like a, that's a part that... Um, how'd you feel about Appa? Appa. Appa. <laughs> I loved him. I thought he was great. I okay. Actually, my take is that there wasn't enough of him. Yeah. Well, that's because another animal sidekick steals the show. Yeah, Momo. 
Yeah. Where um, they almost go off. Yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. I think it does happen in the show, but I definitely didn't remember it. And it was very jarring to see in live action. He, so he like... Um, Momo is like a flying... Monkey. Lemur. Yeah. Oh, right. Lemur. I wasn't even going to say that. I was going to say <laughs> he like dives and um, when the water nation is being uh, under siege at the end, he's like pushing someone out of the way and gets crushed by part of a falling um, building. And I could have sworn that they showed like blood splatter. <laughs> <laughs> like they showed remember. him like yeah. splatting. It's a split second. Uh, and obviously he got buried under the rubble. Yeah. Lots of characters get buried under the rubble and are fine. But this one, I thought like, I thought there but was some so fluid splatting out yeah. of, the, <laughs> of the rubble. It was wild. And then when they are able to bring him back, like Sokka holding his like lifeless looking bot, like it was creepy. Like it yeah. was, I think that part was um a little a little weird yeah a little, little little disturbing and i mean that's the 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 line that they're walking like this is such um Sokka says to ang or yeah i think he says to ang like this is war people are gonna die and and ang is like before the battle like people are gonna get hurt and die <laughs> like but it's we don't obviously see like major on-screen violence we see people kind of like get, have things fall on them and then we either find out later that they're fine or they're dead yeah um, we do see some dead bodies yeah that's a like a pivotal we see really sad scene. um katara and Sokka's mom get burned like probably three different times mm. <laughs> or like different versions of the story and, and just in flashes yeah yeah, yeah. flash fires mm-hmm. um so I, I I don't know how much we're going to go through any specific plot points throughout the season. I think that one thing that's interesting is to everyone is that we watched the show together. <laughs> <laughs> we watched a new show together mm-hmm. in its entirety. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was thinking earlier today, like you would I wouldn't have watched the show without you. Uh, except maybe an episode for the podcast. Right. I probably would have stopped. Yeah, you wouldn't. But know. you wouldn't have watched the show in a timely fashion either without me. So somehow we both pushed ourselves in con- in collaboration with the Netflix binge release <laughs> model. I This is sort of the perfect case of like a show being good enough and all available at the same time. If you can ride that initial wave of... of moderate excitement yeah and have a teammate <laughs> you can <laughs> get through it but without those that confluence of circumstances i wouldn't have finished it yeah i i don't know if the momentum is strong enough for it to have been like a weekly no. release of a show i think they would have lost a lot of people that way because it's just i don't know if it's good enough to get people hyped every week necessarily it's like a solid we were talking about this too it's like a solid six for me six out of ten like it is easy to watch it's fun for them well i mean it's it's not as fun as it should be but i i enjoy the cast like 
there are aspects of it that I do enjoy. It should be, and I think it could be a solid like eight out of 10 in the future if it gets a future. Yeah. Like I feel like there's enough like valid criticisms of it and um, like responses to it that I do feel like maybe they would be, hopefully would be able to take more time to get things a little like tighter, like the scripts for the, instance. The source material is obviously strong and he resonates with anyone that, that watches it pretty much. Um, whether you were, you know, like at a young age when it came out or people exposing it to their kids, you know, like rave about it as a kid's show that also appeals to adults and the kind of like different elements of bending create a nice, um, uh, variety in the fight scenes. We haven't talked about, there's a lot of good one-on-one fight scenes. There's fun. Yeah. There's not enough bending also, I guess, I guess that's like an yeah. effect that's very expensive. Probably. So I get it, especially in a first season, but like I want more bending. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, of course my touch point is mortal Kombat. But, you know, the the showdowns between fire and ice, fire mm-hmm. and water, which often, you know, can be manipulated and, and turned into a weapon mm-hmm. as ice <laughs> um, is very Mortal Kombat or very Scorpion versus Sub-Zero. Mm-hmm. But that works because it's like two visually contrasted elements and good power distribution like we've also been watching x-men 97 or yeah, x-men in X-Men. anticipation yeah. of 97 <laughs> and it's like the complaint for all time has been uh, some superheroes some x-men the the discrepancy in powers makes yeah. for some really lopsided fights and in this i feel like the elements balance each other out yeah really well when they're doing creative things with them yeah it's oh one of something that I think could be a valid like complaint or something that is was an interesting choice for the first season of the show is that Aang never water bends. Like I'm assuming what'll happen is in whatever time jump that happens between season one and two, if there's a season two, is that Katara will have taught him to water bend and will go into the second season with him being like a solid waterbender. And we're going to miss all of like the teaching and learning, but like the or first be a mon- season, uh, you know, a karate kid montage, yeah. uh, but the first season of like the animated show, he picks up water bending really quickly, much to the annoyance of Katara. And it's like, he has that extra power available to him, but they, yeah, he just never even tries to learn. Like he doesn't even try, which is, yeah, he's, he meditates a lot in communes with the other yeah, all he does spirits. Is go into the avatar state. Yeah. yeah. And go into the spirit world. But he gen he just doesn't ever try. And there's something about like Aang in the animated show is obviously scared of his destiny and is trying to avoid he's trying to avoid fighting. Like he's very much like a peace driven character and uh is young, but he isn't like shy about trying to do his job like he isn't shy about he he wants to learn to be better to help people like that is a through line that they touch on in the live action and is very present in the animated show and one of those characteristics is actually like learning how to bend 
other elements and that just never really appears in the show yeah, it's which really, is strange it's really strange because that's such a sort of like well-established um martial arts trope or something like having training sequences it's satisfying to see a character building and developing new skills and then using them in a crucial moment later his big leaps in power just seem to be like externally like guided yeah yeah he just like gets power channeled through him from another avatar oh he can all of a sudden become an ocean godzilla monster yeah like he sort of has a mental breakthrough i guess that he can do that and he's willing it's more about like him being willing to let stuff happen to him (laughs) than him taking any agency over the situation or like putting on actually like boots to the ground and doing the work he wants to take a shortcut and just like get the answer from someone that's done it previously which is totally fair for like an episode yeah but making that his whole kind of driving force instead of yeah like you're saying like putting putting the work in is it was like a weird choice for the live action because i don't i don't remember that about the like i feel like at a certain point ang he picks up water bending really quickly and he tries to skip to like fire bending at one point because he's so eager to like He's clouded by, like, anger and stuff a lot of the time, too, with all of the destruction that's happening. But, like, he isn't necessary. That's not he's not afraid of learning more and sort of, like, trying to take control of what he can do to help. And the live action, Aang, says that a lot. He says he wants to help people and it's his job to help people. But then he never (laughs) really does anything to actually support that, which is like the telling and not the showing aspect of the show that it won't. It just doesn't do. Yeah. And it just repeats itself a lot with like this tension between him having to be alone to it's it's such a um, superhero, superhuman trope at this point with great power comes great responsibility the ones you know mary jane is going to be in danger as long as peter parker is is spider-man so they can't be together like we've encountered this storyline a million times and it's it makes sense but like how many times does he have to learn that what makes him different as an airbender is that he has friends and they work as a team yeah only for us to have him uh, disregard that in the final episode because he gets you know um uh, has a conversation with with a past airbender only for him to come full circle again by the like they can't keep doing that same character arc yeah <laughs> every episode yeah <laughs> it's yeah it's a it's an it's a weird choice yeah but what is unique about him is his <laughs> His naive, you know, like life experience that actually could work as a benefit. He's not jaded by um, some of the the adult experiences of past airbenders. He does is more willing to let people into his lives. Mm-hmm. There's some scenes that sort of work where he's like rallying the people of a different town that he visits and motivating them. And his, um, I think, 
um, Sokka just, uh, of course, because the show has to say it, is like, your real power is how you unite people. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's that's just what the show does over and over again. But yeah. when it, aside from saying that, it's it works. Yeah. Like, he when you see it, um, you know, when he sits down with the um, the warrior ladies in that one town and is able to persuade them, is that's a good enough performance and good enough writing in that scene to kind of make you want to fight for him or, or want to root for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it clears some of the hardest hurdles, like getting a compelling Aang in the middle of the of the show and getting the dynamics between the the three core friends. I, we haven't mentioned the um, fire son character or his uncle. Yeah, Zuko and Iroh. Yeah, they're probably the fringe characters that are the most compelling and interesting. You know, maybe even more so than the core characters at at times. Yeah, they're the journey that they are going to go through, especially Zuko, is very much like, in a lot of ways, the anti-hero's story is more interesting than the hero's journey. And he, like, he's going to go through the biggest kind of changes that are going to be very exciting to watch because I do like that actor, the, um, the chemistry, but I keep talking about chemistry. Um, the the play that Uncle Iroh and Zuko have in the live action, I think, is like decently on par with the animated show, or at least you definitely see like the the seeds of it. That might be closer to the the tone of the animated show being mapped onto those characters than yeah. the core the core characters. Because yeah. he's just a um a hothead that was banished from his kingdom by his horrible you know um, horrible. abusive dad who burns his face and then banishes him and gives him a mission that he never really expects or wants him to um, succeed in so he's on this you know really aggro journey to like prove his dad wrong yeah basically I feel like he doesn't ever say anything about honor either in the sh- in the hmm like he is about like part of his whole thing in the animated show is like he has to recover his honor. His honor is at what's at stake. He has to protect blah blah blah. Honor, 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 honor. And I don't think he, he even says honor once in the live action, which is also seems on purpose and weird. You know that I don't think they ever say it, which is surprising for the show. For, but yeah, I do think they. Um, demonstrate it like is naive and maybe not great of a a leader as he is and it's hard for him to have the respect of grown men because he's the 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 son of their lord but banished yeah he also he's like a he's like a little bitch like that's yeah, part of he, early zuko and late zuko exactly. he's got a huge it. attitude he's all motivated by his own personal you know missions but whenever people are scheming and kind of like doing things that are dishonorable, he doesn't even like get it. He's like, yeah. well, I would never do like, yeah, I would never, true. you know, do something like that. I that mean, is he- an example. Like that's the opposite. Like everything about Aang's journey is like, we're going to say all of these things. Yeah. And then with Zuko, it's like, we're not going to say the things, but we're going to show that 
like he is and he doesn't want to be underhanded like he yeah. is that is interesting i mean and i the, that might be part of the reason that the time that we spend with him is much more um well not is is some of my favorite parts of the show when we go back to the fire kingdom and we have to see exactly how him and his father, you know, I knew, I know we're going to see like the origin of this scar, but they just have to like telegraph it so many times. And then they can't wait more than like four episodes to, to show it. And then the daughter character is kind of like now the, the model um, child who is trying to prove her dad that she's to her dad, that she's ready to take over. So she's just kind of like a one note, um, demon child (laughs) psychopath like her dad um but at least zuko has like some wrinkles to his his journey it's almost like the writers like zuko more than they like ang yeah or like they like writing and plotting out his course more than they like doing like the gang stuff which is a problem um but maybe it's easier to we spend less time with them so maybe yeah it's easier to find the right balance yeah also uncle iroh's casting is perfect yeah i won't hear a word against it no i mean i love him he also as we learn kind of about his fallout with the with his brother who's the fire lord and how he basically is now a, a, a surrogate father for Soka and, and Sokka. Zuko. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I've done like I'm like a six out of ten as well <laughs> on character names, which is <laughs> better than I would have predicted. Yeah. Um Zuko and him have a very genuine love and and care for each other. Yeah. At first, when they're introduced and even in the amount of the cartoon that I saw that hasn't we haven't learned kind of like the the uncle's motivations for being there how he basically you know kind of banished himself from the kingdom and society because he was standing up to his brother like Mm -hmm. when his brother was taking out all his frustrations on his his kid which is obviously wrong and unfair the uncle was trying to stand in his way that didn't work so he went with zuko yeah um, it they build up that relationship really nicely in like a tight yeah in a in a tight way that they don't do with any other storyline i feel like yeah well i guess we can stop there any other highlights before we talk about you know whether if we're going to watch more season 2 yeah which honestly i'm hopeful for i would be excited about um i am hyped for Toph. Toph is going to be just chef's kiss. She's going to be amazing. And I'm really excited to see that. Like, I want it to happen because I want that. Like, I want Toph to exist yeah. in you a got, live action You got world. Jet this season. The Lost yeah. Boy. Mm. <laughs> Bad boy. Poor, beautiful, dumb boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm surprised they didn't tease Toph at the end when they're like, okay, so what's next? We're going to do this and this and this. Yeah. Please vote for season two. <laughs> Hit the, the smash the thumbs up yeah. button on Netflix, please. <laughs> and uh, just let the, let the episodes run on repeat. So yeah. we log, rack up those viewing hours. Yep. Get us, get us in there. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so I'm excited for Toph. I'm excited for um, the library. I'm excited for Cactus Juice. Oh, oh my God. What we didn't even talk about was the most amazing moment. Like, Oh, your song. No, I love the song. I feel like that was underplayed. I love the song, but um, the Secret Tunnel song, which everyone should know. Um, but also <laughs> the Cabbages guy. Oh, like there's yeah. this dramatic they, well, they Cabbage it. Man moment that happens that was very funny and like very like like just was heartening to see in live action it was good i loved that well why don't you explain it there's a man who sells cabbages (laughs) and anytime the gang runs into him they like ruin his cabbage stand he has like a little like cabbage cart and it gets smashed like every time they're around him and it happens i want to say like throughout the series like he's just trolling it around with like, his cabbages. Well, they spent two episodes there. Uh, it it I it could have been a much more recurring thing, but I think they only spent it, it keeps happening in the entire time that they're in that city. Yeah, yeah. But that happens throughout the series. Oh, and you it's mean the just, cartoon series? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. In the in the cartoon, he's like my cabbages, yeah. and because they squeeze it into like like three or four times yeah. in one episode, or yeah. maybe two episodes here. So hopefully he comes back. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a good example of like the kind of um, physical comedy or gag that obviously works in a cartoon and they try it in the uh, live action. But that's they they're probably cutting like five of those for every one that they keep in. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's one specific recurring gag, but just little moments like that. They probably are removing a lot of the like physical comedy and just yeah. like gags yeah. that you would have in a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. although maybe they wouldn't work. I don't know. I don't. I just. I think our our kind of like overarching takeaway is they don't really trust <laughs> the audience to get the story, or they are dumbing it down to the lowest common denominator, which is um, dumb little kids. And they are not giving, you know, kids credit that they, if they miss 5% of it, who, who cares? Like you don't need to keep, when you're going to foreshadow something happening with blasting jelly, you don't need to like keep showing it over yeah. and over again. Like it we'll, is we'll figure interesting it out. because, because it's a remake of an animated show where the original audience are now like millennial adults like it is weird to not kind of account for that audience more than the kids who would be being brought in like you were saying by like their parents or whatever like it feels like it should have maybe shifted like with what's great about the shift from Avatar to Legend of Korra, the next series of the Avatar franchise, the only other series of the Avatar franchise, is that the tone and the story of Korra kind of grows with its audience. So, like, it's aimed at the people who originally, like, obviously kids and stuff can still watch it, but it feels like the shift in its nature and tone, like, grew with the audience. Right. Which is really cool, and I... I don't know a lot of shows that would necessarily do that in that way. And it feels like, yeah, they just kind of forgot that there are going to be older people who are going to want something a little like 
smarter or cleaner yeah. or closer to like the the layered aspects of the animated show. Yeah, it's it's crazy at how rapidly, you know, kids mature intellectually and and kind of like shows tend to just get stuck in whatever um um age target that yeah. they started in and you don't really uh, assume a kid is going to stick with um a cartoon over like i guess you don't get a lot of cartoons and this was only three seasons but you're talking about then years after that yeah like they the attention span is short and then they move on to something else or you just welcome in a new class of kids and you don't worry about the the right. the, the 10 year olds because now they've outgrown it and they're on to something else mm -hmm. so it was smart maybe to kind of like segment it as a different series yeah. So then you could welcome in or you could uh, speak to that same audience and, you know, assume that that other kids have moved on to mm -hmm. the next <laughs> silly yeah. thing. Um, the live action just was afraid to be complicated. I feel like right. the anime, both animated shows, Korra and Avatar, are they're just very they're complicated in really interesting, nuanced ways and also obviously like unsubtle ways like it's bad to try and take over the world yeah, and kill nations, like uh, completely wipe out an entire, anyway. So there are obviously black and white issues at play too, but there's like no gray in the show in the live action that I think the cartoons really played with in a fun, interesting way. And I'm hoping if we get more out of this, then they'll be more willing to kind of wade into that gray area. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fire bad, water good mm -hmm. air in the middle no i guess he's the <laughs> air gone yeah air yeah air gone um but the moon will rise again yeah thank goodness well um it sounds like you want more um we don't usually get this talk about momentum so i know this is why you don't like binge watching shows but i think it's crazy because I That's, love binge watching. What are you talking well, about? Well, no, I mean, but you want like all the live action seasons of this to be out before you start it, even oh, though that might sometimes, be years yeah. and years in, in advance. Like yeah. if you're waiting for Stranger Things to finish its run, <laughs> you've been waiting 10 years yeah. to, to, you know, participate. But anyway, are you eagerly awaiting i'm gonna predict that this is gonna have a, a second season so. it seems more popular than one piece um which is a beloved um anime show that that we didn't that got adapted into live action on netflix back in october we didn't get to talk about it on the podcast but that was that was well received and also got renewed for a second season i i feel like this one's maybe slightly less well received but more popular and maybe. so maybe hopefully yeah. Yeah. i mean not hopefully i because i love one piece too so yeah well i was excited when that was renewed right and i'll be excited if so yes if you're asking me if i want more or less or it's a new re what is the question yeah so new release is a <laughs> podcast where each week we watch <laughs> something new and then decide if we want more i might edit this back into <laughs> its proper spot but do you want more of avatar the last airbender live action adaptation on netflix i will say yes okay 
I don't know. I mean, I will watch it with you. I'll start season two. If you say, you know, I'm going to have to go on without you or something. Like right now it's our show and we were going to watch the whole thing together. But, you know, we'll see. I'll abandon you in a second. Yeah. 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 We'll see if, if, if that becomes necessary in, in the future. But um, so stay tuned to new release in 2025 and maybe 2026. Who knows? By the yes. time season two of this comes out. In the meantime, next week, we are going to be talking about Shogun, the new FX um, samurai show set in um, historical Japan in 19 and 16. Oh, oh, 1600. I didn't, it didn't feel, it felt weird to say 1600. Okay. Well, 1600 was, uh, <laughs> <Worse>. yeah. <laughs> like 1900 sounds like a normal date, but 1600 just that sounds flat. Mm. Sounds one strange. six zero zero. Yeah. So set a long time ago and, um, another kind of globe spanning epic historical drama, um that that seems to have a super high production value and um, will be fun to talk about so that's it for this week thank you jamie for joining thank you and thank you for listening if you want to subscribe you can search new release on spotify or apple or any other podcast platform this is where i say ashley okay have a nice day